Hey everybody, Dave Hodges here, host of the Common Sense Show. Glad you could stay with us. Thanks for staying with us in the second hour. We are the show that is freeing America, one enslaved mind at a time. But we need you to make it one million minds because we're coming to a nexus in this country. And we're going to need the sound of marching feet. So please, whenever you hear a program that you like, whenever you read an article that you appreciate, please share those far and wide. We need to bring people to the battle because numbers are needed and they're going to be needed quickly. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, our guest in this segment is Patrick Wood, and he's no stranger to our show, but it's been too long since we've had him on, so that's why we have him back. But before we go to Pat, I want to let everybody know we're brought to you by Noble Gold, and there could be trouble coming economically, and you get the advice, hey, leave a couple months in the bank, maybe three months of expenses, but don't put all your eggs in one basket diversify 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 gold and silver are the way to go and the people at noble gold are very good at what they do give them a call 877-646-5347 that's 877-646-5347 we're also brought to you by the best storable food company out there and if you look at what's going on in chile ecuador what's gone on for a couple years in venezuela and what could happen here you better have your storable food because if you wait until the crisis starts, it's too late. How much do you need? Well, my friend Bob Griswold, what I call King Prepper, he says two years. FEMA and DHS says six months. We can get you started incrementally with 40% off the two-week pack, the, the three-month pack, 40% off both products for this month. But you have to act now. Go to preparewithdave.com for the 25-year shelf life restaurant quality food and then finally our final sponsor for this hour is what we call waterwithdave.com the alexa pure pro filter the documentation on this is really really good it's right there on the website waterwithdave.com 40 percent off sale and let me tell you if you go four days out from a crisis according to the naval war college the number one cause of death are waterborne illnesses and this is a way that you have a chance to basically get through that crisis get through that trauma you can often find standing water, excuse me, but you can't always find drinking standing water. So you want to go to waterwithdave.com. Well, those are the sponsors that make this program possible, and we thank them. And please, please, please go to them, not their competitors. Well, our guest is no stranger. He is what I consider to be the foremost expert on technocracy. In fact, I don't know anyone else who's really talking on this subject at any great length, and it is well-versed as Pat Wood is. But we're also going to take a visit into South America and talk about the relevance there and why America should be concerned about what's happening there. So, Pat, welcome to the show. I'm glad you could join us. It's always great to have you with us. You bet. Thanks, Dave. Um, you know you're talking about the economic situation right now. You knew me from the days when I was writing August Review yes. and August Forecast. Do you remember that? Uh, very well, yes. That was my that was my chosen profession, was to be an investment uh, um, analyst, if you will, and I wrote about economic issues and market forecasting, things like that. And I gave that up purposely. It, it hurt, honestly. I, had, I gave that up in order to pursue my studies on technocracy because I felt it was so important uh, to the future of our country. It was a greatly unrecognized thing. And as you know, well, I, I ended up kind of being the one that is talking about technocracy all around the world. And people are coming from all over the world to listen to it. But I will say, based on my economic and investment background, 
I have never, not once in my life, and I've lived through bear markets, the 73, 74 bear market in the 80s and the 90s, uh, the 2000s, I've lived through all that stuff. I have never, ever seen a more precarious economic situation that we're in right now. Never. And there are so many hair triggers that could collapse the whole system. It's just inconceivable. I hate to even think about it or talk about it. I follow the economic and, and you know market uh, issues every day. I can't help myself. <laughs> it's like that's the way it is, right? Once you got it under your skin, you can't get rid of it. Well, it's I like I follow good... it every day, and I shake my head every day, Dave. I, I know. Just I... can't believe they're kicking a the can down the road. It's the, the piper's going to get paid one day soon, and it's going to be ugly. Well, I, I know it's going to get ugly, and, and I'll tell you, I know what you mean about you, you just can't leave it alone because it's like a researcher you have to go where the data takes you you start following one trail of evidence and you end up in a place that you didn't expect and i think that's what's happened here with what you found in technocracy well briefly tell the people maybe the first time listening why this is such an important topic well technocracy was defined in the 1930s as a replacement economic system for capitalism and free enterprise. Most people can't even get their head around that that's that comment. A replacement economic system, a replacement economic model, different than capitalism and free enterprise, what would that look like? Well, you don't have to look any further than the United Nations, for instance, as they now propose sustainable development, which is the same thing as original technocracy, a resource-based economic system where they control both sides of the equation. All the resources, and all of the consumption. They tell you what you can consume, and they tell the manufacturers what they're allowed to make based on the resources that go into them. This is a return to feudalism of the Dark Ages, essentially, where a few people own everything, and the rest of the people simply have to take the crumbs that are given to them by, by, the, by that elite. And we see this moving today in the world as sustainable development, if somebody can say, what the heck is that? I don't I've heard it, but I don't know what it is. Listen, have you ever heard of the Green New Deal? Have you ever heard of <laughs> AOC and the squad? Have you heard about San, San Francisco and Los Angeles and New York and whatever declaring their own Green New Deal where they're gonna retrofit everything with alternative energy and new smart city technology with total surveillance, et cetera, et cetera? This is what we're talking about. And it's everywhere. It's all around us. And it's not just in America. This is a global situation. For the first time in history, Dave, we have the entire world marching to the same drumbeat that's emanating basically from the United Nations. But they are the United Nations, right? They've got 197 nations in the world signed on to this program. President Trump pulled out, sort of, but we're still pretty buried in it. And... They're all saying the same thing. We got to ditch capitalism, evil, evil, bad, bad, got to get rid of it. Yeah. The United Nations has said it blatantly that they're going to replace capitalism, free enterprise with sustainable development. The gloves are off, Dave. That's it. If we lose the economic system that we have grown up with, that we know and understand, if we lose the economic system, we lose everything. We could suffer socialism and communism. Probably we could get rid of a communist. We could get rid of, uh, you know, a socialist, whatever, sooner or later. 
But once technocracy is embedded into society and the scientific dictatorship takes hold, there's no escape. You can't get loose. Just ask the people in China, for Pete's sake. Look at China. It is a technocracy. Those people in China now have been trained, as Aldous Huxley predicted, to love their servitude. Well, and that's crap. Yeah. Well, Bernie Sanders is calling people capitalists like he's calling them a naughty name. So it's yeah. it's become a pejorative to uh, an insult to be a capitalist. It has. And for, you know, when they say capitalism, who knows what they're thinking about, but free enterprise is the economic system that we have known since our country was founded. And yes, capitalism has dislocations and problems and crony capitalism is absolutely evil. No doubt, that's that's not what we want. It's never what we wanted, actually. But when they say capitalism, they really mean free enterprise. The right of the people to barter and trade with each other. You know, willing people that are willing to, you know, give whatever, I give you something, you give me something in return for it. That's what we're talking about here. They don't want people to do that. They want to tell people what they're allowed to consume and also what the people make and stuff, what they're allowed to make. This, this has never happened in the history of the world before, and it would turn our entire system upside down. And I have to say, going back to why our country was founded in the first place, you know, well, we got the Constitution, and we're a constitutional public, we got a political system. This, this is going to be difficult for your listeners to understand, but I'm going to say it anyway. The political system was not the purpose of the Constitution. The political system was only put in place to guarantee that we would have our free enterprise economic system intact going down the road. That was it. The political system is there as a necessity to protect the political system, which is based on private property, free enterprise, and if we lose that economic system, you, you don't even have to think about kissing the political system goodbye. It, it's just going to be gone, evaporated, and we will be literally launched back into neo-feudalism from the Dark Ages. This is very serious, Dave. This is not just, this is not a little thing you say, oh, it's just Pat Wood, you know, blowing smoke over here. I'm sorry. The evidence is all over the planet right now. If anybody look at it, I'm holding in my hands, because I'm looking at South America, I'm holding in my hands a book written by a professor of political science who happens to be from Chile, and he's currently serving as a professor in the Netherlands at a university there. His name is Patricio Silva. Hey, how can you go wrong when your name is Patricio? My name is Patricio. <laughs> you know, I got something in common with this guy. Listen, this book was written 20 years ago. The title, In the Name of Reason, Technocrats and Politics in Chile. What can he say to that? I mean, yeah, and, he, and he goes through and talks about the same stuff that I'm talking about, except in relation to Chile. So this is not just us. It's not just me. It's not just some historical quirk. This is real-time, real-life disaster that we're staring at right here. And it's all over the planet. It's in Europe. It's in Asia. It's in, it's in South America, all over the place right now. It's in America. We just don't know what to call it. People are so sidetracked with uh, what's going on in Washington. What a waste of time. I even I hate to turn on the news anymore. I don't want to listen to it anymore. Too much drama. 
it completely takes people's focus away from the substance stuff that's going on. And they go, wow, I'm going to shake my fist at Fox News or CNN or somebody. I'm going to get really mad. Will you go ahead and get mad? And as long as you're mad, your country's going to continue to suck down the toilet and the whirlpool until you're done being mad and decide you're going to find out what's really going on and get after it. That's all That's all I'm asking, Dave. It's just people just look, put all that stuff aside, look at the facts of what's going on in our society. There's another group of actors that are alive and well in our society. I call them technocrats. You could call them whatever you want, but I call them technocrats because they believe that science is the solution for every problem that mankind has, including social engineering. Yeah, I would. I, the social engineering is the part that maybe frightens me the most about all the aspects of technocracy. Let's talk about that for a minute. Well, their original goal, they said, was what technocracy was defined in the 1930s was it was the scientific scientific method applied to social engineering. And they wanted to engineer society. This mentality, the mentality of technocrats are that humans are nothing more than a herd of animals, just a herd of animals, like cattle in a feedlot. And they're part of society. You know, you've got other things in society, too. You've got animals, you've got cattle, you've got the sheep and whatever, livestock, different kind. And you've got uh, resources like gold and silver and uh, metals and, uh, you know, coal and other things in, in the world that are just resources. They look at everything on an equal basis. We have a matrix here. We have a problem here. So uh, we got resources over here. We got consumers over here. People. We got animals out there, et cetera, et cetera. They put all of that into their scientific thinking cap, and they say everything. Everything's the same. How can we balance the equation to make it all come out equal, neutral, if you will? That's 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 what we call social engineering. That's why they're doing it. We're just animals. We're just resources. We're, we're just uh, we're 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 social capital. We're we're human capital. We're not people. We're not unique beings. We're not self-determinate beings. We're just resources to be managed, like cattle in a feedlot. And honestly, that is their mentality, Dave. And this is what is so bloody scaring about this. I've seen this in every technocrat I've looked at. The head of Foxconn, the president of Foxconn, is the largest assembly company in uh, in China. They make most of Apple stuff, for instance, but a lot of others. They have over 2 million employees, if you can imagine that. But it's a giant assembly company. And the president of Foxconn was heard a few years ago after Apple was getting some really, really bad press on people committing suicide at Foxconn's plant. And so Apple has kind of taken heat. What are you doing over there, Apple? You know, why are those people committing suicide when they're making your phones? So they Mm. took some heat. The president of Foxconn was heard at a cocktail party saying that his employees gave him a big, big headache, number one. Of course he did. But... Uh, he said, "I think, but I think I got to solve. I've got help coming." And what he said was that he had hired a consultant to come and help the company figure out a human resource problem so people would not commit suicide. And let me tell you who he hired. You, you just you, you don't laugh. I mean, this is, just listen to who he hired. He hired the curator of the of the Taipei Zoo as a human resources consultant. 
Wow. Get, get, wrap your mind around yeah. the mentality here. This Evil. is the largest assembly company in the world, Foxconn. You can go look it up on the internet. They're huge. And the president of Foxconn decided he could solve his human resource problems with people committing suicide by hiring the curator of the Taipei Zoo, an animal manager. You see, this is the mentality, Dave. This is so mm-hmm. dangerous. It's so repulsive to any, really, to anybody in America. I don't care if you're Democrat, Republican, it doesn't matter. This is so repulsive to any American that if anybody, if, as people wake up and understand this, they simply will just go nuts and say, we're stopping this right now. At least I hope that's what they're going to say. <laughs> Not enough for saying it, Dave. <laughs> we, we need I to just, break up the volume here. But, you know, these people, Pat, I, I've come to believe and that... Um, and some people are going to cringe when I say this, but we're fighting two battles. We're fighting in the physical realm here, and we're fighting in the spiritual realm. And I believe a lot of these people are demonically possessed, and this is why their their behavior defies all logic. I would tend to agree with you there for sure. There is a spiritual battle going on. It's, it's well-defined. Biblically speaking, it's a well-defined uh uh, uh, a battle that's being conducted right now. We can, uh, uh, people or Bible students can go and read Ephesians chapter 6, for instance, to find out all about uh, spiritual warfare. And it's true. There is a spiritual warfare going on right now. It's manifested through the action of men, however. And it always has been. From the beginning of the world, it's been that way. There's been a spiritual battle. For those people, for those men who have stood up and said what was right, and rejected evil, evil has no power over them. It just basically just falls to the ground. And this is the problem today. People are more willing to accept evil in their life, and they just kind of wink at all the other stuff. They may give lip service, say, well, I don't like what's going on, but then they turn around and accept evil. Let me give you a case in point. What what holiday is tomorrow? Ah. Hollow's Eve. I know we're dating ourselves right now. It's Halloween. That's right. Yes. It's the devil's holiday. And look at all the people. Like on my street out here, half of my street is decorated for Halloween. They spent more on Halloween than Christmas. <laughs> and, and it's nothing but evil stuff all the way up and down the street. Evil stuff. And parents are going to take their little kids out dressed up as demons and witches and everything else, whatever. And they're going to go out and play trick-or-treat on, on houses, hopefully to get candy that aren't spiked with needles or whatever, and or drugs. And, um, you know, they're, they're going to teach their little kitties all about, it's okay, to, it's okay to play with evil a little bit. You know, it's just, it's just kind of playing around here. But you know what? In a spiritual sense, you, keep your, you can't keep your foot in, in one place over on the left side and put the other foot on the right side in, in the camp of evil. You just can't do it. You're compromised immediately. So, you know, Americans love evil. They, I, I hate to say it. They love the evil side of things more, in some cases, than they do what's right. What's the right thing to do? What's the moral thing to do? What's the ethical thing to do? Well, those, those are questions right now that Americans need to face. You know, it's like I'm kind of in shock because you're pulling the words out of my mouth again on a round trip of what I've already 
been saying in the last two days. Because you're right. First of all, we're sleepwalking into impeachment. Senators who are compromised are being bribed. America's asleep. America does nothing for nobody for no reason. And I actually did a podcast last night, Pat, and I said, what's your line in the sand? When are you going to be mad enough to go to the window and open it up and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore? (laughs) I love that movie. Yes, we're dating ourselves again, Pat. That was 1975. (laughs) I know. Four years before I discovered you and Anthony Sutton. (laughs) That's right. Well, no, you're absolutely right. And I I have to say, it's not the the snap that needs to take place right now has really, in my opinion, has nothing to do with national politics or even state politics. It has to do with people getting into their local community, joining hand in hand with other citizens around them. And saying we're gonna we're gonna fortify our city with with moral purity. We're gonna we're gonna fortify our city, and we're gonna do what's right. <clears throat> we're gonna we're gonna kick all this other uh, ideology out. All of the you know the, the counterculture things that are going on, the crazy uh, cancel culture stuff. We're gonna kick that politically correct thinking out of our community, and we're gonna return to be a human community again, where we care for the people in our community as people, not as a herd. I personally, I believe this is the only hope for America right now is that its communities will band together and start cleaning house from the ground up. That's the only way I think we can do it. And by the way, that's how the revolution was fought in the early days of our country. It was people in cities and towns that just are farmers, mostly farmers at that point. But basically they said, you know what? We're gonna bring our muskets and we're gonna join arms with you other guys and whatever. And if anybody comes to our town or city, whatever, we're gonna we're gonna kick them in the you know what and and, and send them back in. <clears throat> and they that's what they did. That that's how that's how the entire revolutionary mind was thinking back then. The battle came out of the cities and the and the, and the rural communities close by, and those soldiers went out to to do what they had to do in order to protect the people at home, their loved ones, and whatever in their in the towns, their farms, their properties that that they fought for in the first place. This is what we need to return to in America. People mm-hmm. need to turn off TV. Just turn a dumb thing off. Can't do you any good. Turn off the TV. Forget national politics. Forget all that. So you're going to vote. Yeah, I know you're going to vote. You should. But forget the whole thing. Quit wasting time shaking your fist at the TV and go down and start getting involved with other people in your own town. Find out who they are. Find out what they're doing. Go meet your city council people. Meet your city managers. Meet your county commissioners or whatever. You may not like them, but go meet them for Pete's sake and get a seat at the table. What I'm telling people is you need to become a citizen stakeholder in your own community. If If you're a citizen in that community, you deserve to be a citizen stakeholder. Start acting like it and go down and get a seat at the table and get your input on the table. It's just as important as theirs, if not more so. Well, it definitely is. You have, uh, on my newsletter, you have an ad for local involvement with a particular group. Uh, take a moment and talk about that. It's timely we bring that up. Well, that's a good thing. You know, I started citizensforfreespeech.org last year. And I did so because I saw collusion taking place um, in big tech companies to censor people like you and me. 
not just you and me, but other people too that weren't necessarily conservative, but man, if you didn't line up with their positions, they just took you right out of the, you know, right out of the, the, the blogosphere. And I started Citizens for Free Speech to defend and protect the First Amendment, which has many things in it, including the expression of religion, freedom of speech, freedom of press, uh, the, the freedom to assemble peaceably, and so on. Those rights are under a full court attack, complete, major attack by every wacko group in the world at this point, I have to say. If we lose the First Amendment, we have lost everything, Dave. I tell you, the only thing the, the only thing we're going to see after that is the Second Amendment, and I don't want to see the Second Amendment. I love I love guns. I love the Second Amendment. I'm not saying I'm anti-Second Amendment. You know that, but I don't want to see America have to face the Second Amendment issues for failure to have dealt with the First Amendment issues. But that's what's going to happen if we don't deal with it. If we lose our voice, Dave, we've lost it, period. It's going to be gone, and the next thing you're going to see is bullets are going to be flying. And I don't want to see that. I don't think you do either. I don't ever want to see Americans killing Americans again in the, in the next 200 years of our country or even beyond that. It's not right. But that's the next thing we're going to see if we don't deal with the First Amendment correctly and keep these things alive for our generation and future generations. So in any case, the first project that I started when, or that I accomplished when I started CFFS was that we created a local or a social media platform for local activists exclusively. Not as a Facebook replacement for people to post videos about their kitties or their little bunnies, but, you know, but for people who were already active in their local community who wanted to meet up with like-minded people to get ideas, to share stories, to share resources and, and resolutions and, and victories and defeats and whatever, uh, to find like-minded people around the country and in their community. And I'll tell you honestly, this network is going to be small forever because I just kick people out. If they don't toe the line and they're not really interested in doing anything locally, then you don't belong here. I mean, you know, if you came in and thought maybe you'd like to look at it and see, maybe you'd like to get involved, well, okay, we'll give you a few weeks, right? Yes. <laughs> but but if you're just sitting there taking up space uh, and just, in, you know, like being a voyeur, so to speak, you know, just kind of looking in, then... You either do it or get off the pot, and if you don't do it, then we're going to eventually, we're just going to remove you from the network. But uh, localactivist.org is for the specific purpose of local activists to support them and their endeavors and their local communities. Yeah, and like I said, that's, that's at the bottom as an ad format on my newsletter. And Pat, I'm sorry, my webmaster would know this. I don't know how many people that goes out to now, but it's probably... Forty-five thousand, I'm going to guess. Yeah. Um, and not everyone opens it every day, so it gets pretty wide exposure. And I'm really kind of surprised that I haven't gotten more feedback from people. I mean, I've had people that have been with me for years on the newsletter. Yeah. I go to conferences and they come up. Oh, Dave, love your email I get, and they mean the newsletter. 
Yeah. And But we need to find a way to get that front and center. By the way, people, in case you're wondering, I don't get any remuneration <laughs> for running Pat's ad on it. That's a gratis. There is I don't get any either. <laughs> no, Pat, Pat was the original guy who helped me set up the newsletter. Uh, and my webmaster has modified a little bit since then. But, but uh, and then we had talked about the group, and I said, well, let me put it up there on the newsletter. It'll go out to a lot of people. I think it's worthwhile. I'll tell you where people get it. In Fort Collins, which is really the king of Agenda 21, Agenda 2030, Virginia Farver and Stacy Lynn and that whole group up there, they get it. They go to their council meetings. They raise heck. These people cringe when Virginia and Stacy walk into a meeting. Yeah, you bet. You bet. There are many communities like that across America, and I'm, I'm always amazed at some of the groups I see, even local here in Phoenix, that are doing things. They're unsung heroes in my book. But you know what? They need to be sung. <laughs> we need to tell people that, uh, hey, there are there are citizens out here that are having a tremendous impact um, and, and, you know, local issues, whether it's city or county, in some cases even with state uh, at the state level. There's tremendous stuff going on here that people just don't know about because sure. they don't they don't crow about it. But uh, I want I want other people to know about it too. You know, we, we need to get these stories out, especially the success stories, and and encourage people around the country. People in our country, in my opinion, Dave, are crying for leadership. They're begging for leadership, but they have no leadership. And when I say leadership, I'm not talking about national leadership. That that's covered just fine. I'm talking about local leadership, the troops. And you know that historically, no military battle was ever won without ground troops. That's just the way it is. You can't win it with air power. You can't win it with naval power. You have to have occupation troops. I just said this in a podcast two days ago. Oh, scary. It's scary. <laughs> Great minds yeah. think alike. We're both similarly deluded. <laughs> well, we are the occupation forces, folks, and we're already here. We occupy because we live here. What is a better opportunity for us to to act like it and, and you know, get our combat boots on, whatever, and go out and deal with our local community and stuff? Every community in America has been infiltrated with the Jenna 21 garbage. You know that. Everybody, should, every, if everybody doesn't understand that, they should. Every community in America has been infiltrated with Agenda 21 and 2030 Agenda policies that came from the United Nations. This is what's killing us. Let me give you a layman's interpretation. And those policies deny property rights. They limit income opportunities. They're designed to take away our use of energy. They're designed ultimately maybe for us to lose our eco-unfriendly houses, as Elizabeth Warren said. (laughs) Um, I mean, look at I'm only quoting. I'm sorry. That's what the woman said. I know. She's crazy. I remember when she got nominated, she said, uh, we're going to take money away from the wealthy. And then she thought for a second and said, and gun by gunpoint if necessary. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, you're for gun confiscation, you're gonna use guns to steal people's hard earned money? Are you <laughs> kidding me? Well yeah. That's the mentality of who we're fighting against in, in this struggle that you're talking about. There are no rules. There are no consistency. You know, my wife, for the longest time, tried to find the logic in the other side's argument. And I kept saying to her, honey, it's the left. There is no logic. Yeah. Only mental illness. Yeah, there isn't logic, and yeah, you're right. I think Michael Michael Savage wrote a book one time, didn't he? Uh, that liberalism is a mental disease, mental yeah, disorder. Right on, Michael was right on the money. 
Absolutely. It was absolutely right. And I, I never got to contact him on this, but being that he is a, uh, what, a biologist or a, I forget what he calls this, uh, uh, nutrition. Yeah, PhD he's, he's or got a PhD like in nutri- some nutrition. Yeah, yeah. Field, I, yes. I, I wanted to suggest to him that he and only he could create a product that would be a great seller uh, that would be called something like uh, the uh, clonic for the liberal mindset. And uh, <laughs> how, about, how about the liberal antidote? <laughs> yeah, right. But I, you know, when I used to get up early on Saturday morning, I'd hear all these ad, these health ads on, uh, you know, infomercials on on the early radio, and they're always talking about colonics and you know how good it is to clean your colon and all that kind of stuff. I just don't want to hear this. Somebody give me some music or something. And. Uh, <clears throat> but then I thought about I thought about Savage. He'd be the perfect guy to write the, to write a, a book or, or prescribe a, a, a regimen for a clonic for the liberal mind. Well, I'll tell um, him. When, I'll tell him when I talked to him. I was on uh, Michael's show about three weeks ago. I heard that. It's and great. Uh, and and uh, I don't know if you heard. He offered me to be his guest host on, awesome. on air. So I'll be talking to him. And awesome. I'm, I'm going to try to put him in contact with you because I think he could be pushing things like this. I totally agree. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. You know, he yeah. nailed it when he said uh, the loony left and mental and liberalism is a mental illness. It's so true. But we can't win this with logic. And, and huh. I keep telling people, you know, we got to fight them in the gutters where they are. But we also have to pray and invoke our spiritual power yes. because they have no antidote for Jesus. And, Pat, let me ask you a question. When you've heard the Democrats speak and you've heard these candidates in particular talk about how they're going to take, take, take from us, do you ever hear them talk about Jesus or God or the Ten oh, Commandments? Gosh, no. no, no, no. Just Never. the opposite. No, you're Just right. the opposite. They they want they're they're sided with the ACLU on that. They want all semblance of religion completely removed from from uh, public life, and they want all moral arguments. And and you don't even have to mention Jesus. You don't have to even mention the Bible. If you bring up a moral standard that may find its roots in the Bible, but you don't mention the Bible, you don't bring up any verses or nothing. Take abortion, for instance, as an example. Uh, you bring up one moral argument on why abortion is wrong, ooh, you're dead meat. <laughs> I'm afraid you're, you're right. Throw it out right away. Yeah, well, um, I know we're we're both men of God, and we're both decidedly so, and don't hide it. But 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 we don't overpower people with our beliefs. The left overpowers us with their atheistic, uh, pantheistic views. It's terrible. I mean, it is. Islam, Al-Bor, we're going to buy. Know, we're going to combine Islam with Christianity. That's what the Pope is doing. Wow, I know, I know. Yeah, Al Gore said a few years ago. You remember those? He said, uh, talking about climate deniers. You know those people who, who say climate, you know, man-made climate change isn't real. He said that climate deniers deserve to be punished. That, in my mind, that flipped a switch right there and I, I saw the handwriting on the wall from from this board point forward what he was saying is is that let the Salem witch trials begin essentially now they haven't begun yet but that's what he's saying deniers of their science which is totally pseudoscience there's no science to it it's pseudoscience it's just it's garbage science it's crap science but they say uh, if you deny our science you deserve to be punished not us you deserve to be punished no debate about this the science is settled you see this is this is altogether we've never seen this kind of a proposition before 
in the history of America, where somebody came and said, well, if you don't believe the way I think, you know, you're, you, you deserve to be punished. Well, let me tell you, just, just today I posted a story <clears throat> about a professor uh, who uh, was a professor of um, zoology at the University of uh, Victoria in Canada. Her name is uh, Dr. Susan Crockford. She wrote a book about polar bears and how they're thriving at the North Pole. And she's a, she's a, a PhD zoologist. She's done great work. And she has validated, very scientifically, that polar bears are doing just great at the North Pole. They're thriving, there are probably 35 plus thousand polar bears up there and they're just, you know, they're mating and they're having their little cubs and they're doing just great. Well, that doesn't go along with the climate hysteric agenda that the polar bears are all starving to death and that they're dying out and, and they're probably gonna be extinct pretty soon. So the outside people, all those climate hystericists around the, the world, got onto the University of Victoria and said, fire this broad. She is a denier. Fire her, punish her, get rid of her. And you know what they did? They fired her. They, well, they refused to renew her contract. And now she's out on the street looking for a job and she's a PhD zoologist and anthropologist. So, you know, this is the punishment. This is like burning, you know, burning somebody at the stake for no other reason than what they, you know, something that they believe is doesn't agree with you. But we see this mentality everywhere now, don't we, Dave? That's that's what my point. You bring the story up. We see no, this it, all the way everywhere. through Washington. We see it in Congress. We see it. Uh, we see it in the you know state politics now. We see it with all the NGOs and stuff that are promoting all this nonsense. Oh, especially in California right now. Um, this kind of mentality is everywhere. We will punish you. That, that, that ought to be set to the tune, we will rock you. <laughs> we will punish you. We will punish you. Get the whole crowd yelling at the same thing, uh, same time. Uh, you don't agree with us? We're going to punish you. Burn, denier, burn. That's right. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. You know, it reminds me of the story of Galileo when he had the Catholic cardinals look in his telescope and they all covered their eyes so they could truthfully yes. say they hadn't seen a thing. Yes. And that's what we're dealing with here. Hear no evil, see no evil, and there's no science. You know, Pat, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I'm going to toot my own horn for a reason. I used to review uh, master's level dissertations for research protocols. So I think I know a little bit about the process. I've written two courses in statistics. So I know how this works. And when I look at the climate science material, first of all, they lack replicability. In other words, good research is doing the same research over and over and over and getting the same results and being under that level of probability of less than 0.05. That's the P equals less than 0.05 equation. And they repeatedly don't do this but they don't care. They, they get something where it looks like, well, maybe, well, there it is, solid proof. Well, first of all, science doesn't prove anything. Science only provides probabilities. Mm -hmm. And these people are flawed from the beginning. And I've said this often, I haven't seen a climate change study that has the hysteria in it that you and I have gotten used to that would make it out of my midterm in my research 101 class. Right. Right, you're absolutely right. And, 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 and here's another thing that's funny. 
You know who the social media is using for uh, fact-checking now? Mm. Wikipedia. Yeah. Oh, great. <laughs> and, and, and and every every college, every university I've ever worked at, it's right on the student syllabi. It's automatically imprinted. Wikipedia yeah. is not a valid academic source. Yeah. And they and they talk about you must have three APA citations kind of situation. <laughs> and Wikipedia ain't one of them. Yeah. And yet the social media is parading this out like they're somehow God's gifts of the truth. Right. It's it's yeah. it's. I just want to pull my hair out. I'm so frustrated with this. It's witchcraft with a stupid com- exponent to it. It's witchcraft squared with stupidity added on. Yes, it really is. Is it's nuts. Well, I want to talk. Yeah. We got about ten minutes left, less, a little uh, less than that. But I want to talk briefly about your your impressions on South America because I'm getting right. ready to jump into this full hog here. So tell me what's going on. Well. We from from the little news that we have in our media, you have to go down there to get stories of what's really going on. South America is in turmoil right now, but it's not just South America. It's the same thing is happening in Europe. It's happening in the Middle East. It's happening. There's even riots in, in some places in India. There's riots in in uh, in Hong Kong, as we know. But the one common thread across all of this is they're all young people. Number one, they're all young people. You don't see old people hardly. There are a few, but not normally. It's all young people. The young people, for whatever reason, are up in arms all around the world. And this is increasing dramatically in recent days. Enough so that it got me looking at it and said, what the heck is going on? You know, I, you know it's, it's like uh, it's kind of like these these fires and stuff in California. So it's not just California. It was, it was all over the world. There's fires and stuff just you know ravaging the countryside. So these riots and stuff that are taking place are shocking. And in particular, what really shocked me was in Santiago, Chile, where all of a sudden, out of the blue, bang, there's citywide, there's nationwide riots taking place where thousands, hundreds of thousands of looters and people are coming out destroying property they burned down they burned down the transportation centers the bus the train stations in, in Santiago and I have a friend that lives down there she said I, I have no idea that this was percolating under the surface of society and she actually went on holiday uh, in another she, I think she went up to Paraguay somewhere with a friend for a few days while this whole thing broke out she said we may not get home pray for us <laughs> she didn't but she's been shocked that she's been there now for seven years, uh, speaks the language, she's got a lot of contacts, she knows what's going on, but she had, this caught her by, completely by surprise, and it caught me by surprise too, because Chile was supposed to be a relatively stable, industrialized nation that was, uh, you know, just kind of rocking along, and all of a sudden, boom, everything is falling apart, and they're demanding for political heads to roll. So. How can move? How does a movement like this just pop up overnight? That's well, my it's, question. It's George Soros, but what I've also learned from American expats that are there that, that follow me uh, on on uh, my channel or they follow my radio show live stream, they they have told me, and I went and counted after we talked the, uh, this afternoon. I've heard from six expats total from that area, and four of them said the Chinese are coming in there in mass. A couple of them sent me a uh, State Department memo issued by the consulate that told them to hunker down. I published that on the Common Sense Show a couple days ago, 
and they told him, you better have two weeks of food and water, don't venture out, uh, be in a self-protective mode. And so the, the basically they were told, we can't protect you. Yes, that's right. The, the Chinese remember, are there yeah. exacerbating it, yeah. and I believe yeah. they're the henchmen for the George Soros version of, of the South American Spring. Yes, there seems to be something something like that involved here. You'll remember uh, back in the 1970s during the Jimmy Carter administration, yeah. maybe you will, maybe you won't, but uh, you remember that, that period of time uh, during the Carter administration where the Panama Canal, sovereign U.S. property, was given back to Panama. Mm-hmm. And we seceded from that uh, from that property. We paid for it, blood, sweat, and tears. And uh, Jimmy Carter decided, just all by himself. Well, actually, it wasn't by himself, but he decided we're going to give it back to Panama. And there was all kinds of trilateral commission skullduggery going on back in that day. And I wrote about that a lot in Trilaterals over Washington. But yeah. the man that architected the giveaway. The man that architected the giveaway of the Panama Canal was a member of the Trilateral Commission. Saul Linowitz? Nope. Who was he? It? Was he was one of the operators? It was Zbigniew Brzezinski. Oh yes, of course. Who yes, else? And that's, yeah. Okay, so now who owns the Panama Canal today? China. Who's in control of it? China. China. Yeah. Who's in control of all the ports on both sides? So that, that is the shipping, uh, you know, transfer facility. It's all China, one hundred percent. Well, was this a mistake? Was this unintended when when they gave it away? Because remember, it was a nineteen, uh, excuse me, nineteen seventy six. That Zbigniew Brzezinski was also sitting hand in hand, uh, kissy kissy, with Deng Xiaoping, the the premier of China at the time, telling him what a great thing it would be if China came back into the world economic system and ascended to, uh, you know, to be in the world trade, uh, blah blah blah, and um, you know we will help you become a nation, uh, an economic powerhouse in the world. And you think he fed them capitalism and free enterprise? I'm sorry, he didn't. He fed them technocracy. This all happened at the same time, Dave. It just You can't make this stuff up. He gave way to Panama Canal at the same time he's telling Deng Xiaoping what a great guy he is and how we're going to help China become an economic powerhouse. And now they control. They control the Panama Canal. They control all kinds of stuff throughout South America that they've been, you know, kind of inching in there all this time while we have, you know, kind of pulled away. That's crazy. You just can't, you can't make this stuff up and researching it is easy, actually. It's not that difficult to find out. But in the case of Chile right now, the radicals that are, that are fomenting this turnover in Chilean politics are the radical Cuba-style Marxists, from what we can tell so far, it has nothing to do with anything else. Just hardcore, we're going to tear the system down. And what scares me about this day is that Brzezinski himself, in his book, Between Two Ages, America's Role in the Technotronic Era, he said, essentially, I'll paraphrase, that Marxism was a necessary stepping stone to get to his technotronic or technocratic age. In other words, the Marxists were the useful idiots to tear society apart, to dismantle it, to destroy capitalism and free enterprise altogether so that technocrats and technocracy could step in and take over, lock, stock, and barrel. And I contend, Dave, 
that those Brzezinski's of the world are lurking in the shadows as we make this podcast right now, waiting for that time when capitalism and free enterprise will be slaughtered for the last time on the altar. And those Marxists and, and all those nutcakes that are tearing the system apart, I can guarantee you they will be the first person, the, peep, the first group that the technocrats will throw under the bus when they take power. Well, just like the brown shirts. That's right. They will never know what happened to them. Yeah, just they like say, the brown shirts. We thought we were doing good. And they say, yeah, you were, but here, how do you like these... How do you like these bus tires? We're going to kill you now. You know, I'm wondering, too, as you were talking about Brzezinski's book, in Marxism was an evolutionary arrived at tool, but weren't they yeah. also going to redistribute the resources of the planet from the northern hemisphere to the southern hemisphere? No, Dave, I'll tell you what. My my opinion very strongly on this today is that from, that from day one, when Brzezinski met Rockefeller and they made an unholy alliance to start the Trilateral Commission, with their so-called new international economic order, what they had in mind, what Rockefeller had in mind, meant more than Brzezinski, but what Rockefeller had in mind was forget the money, let's go for the resources. We want control over the resources because if we have that, it doesn't matter what kind of money is out there. You, you, if you own all the resources and you can control all the resources, everything else is immature. You, you got it. And that's where the wealth of the world has always been. Just think back in the Old Testament to Job. What made Job a rich man? Well, he had gold mines, he had timber, he had cattle, he had sheep, you know, in, in the tens of thousands or whatever. And he did he have dollar bills? No. Did he have yuan? Did he have Swiss francs? No. He had all the wealth, though, in the world the world could give him, and it was because he owned the resources of the world. This is the mentality that the global elite have. They want to take major resources. Let's take the Amazon, for instance. It's in print right now in the news cycle. They look at the Amazon and they say the Amazon should be managed for the common good of the global commons. There you go. That's the what common they say. Good. Yeah, the common right? good. The common, the global commons. They would put everything in trust where you and I would have to go get permission to get anything out. And do you think they would be benevolent and let you and I have anything? No. It's called of the reintroduction of feudalism. That's right. It is feudalism. Yeah. That's why I keep saying this. This is neo-feudalism in, in just the biggest sense of the word. When they get a lock on all of the resources of the world, they will shut the door to us, Dave, and we will be screwed forever. It's going to be We have just entered into a whole new dimension. Pat, I hope you'll agree to come on in the next week and do a part two on this. We're right at the end of what we where we need to be, but we're not at where we need to be as far as topic goes. I know. So, well, let's do it. Let's do it. Exactly. Well, very quickly, i got about 10 seconds. How do we contact you? Hey, technocracy.news. There's a contact form there if you want to email me and uh, get in touch with me. No problem. Technocracy.news. Okay, Pat, I'll be in touch to set up the follow-up. Great stuff. I look forward to talking to you again. Thanks, Dave. Thank you.